and welcome to a Friday edition of the Dice Are Screaming. Oh, I'm Randy. I am Mike. And together we form the Dice Are Screaming podcast. Your co-host for all that is weird and wacky in D&D gaming. Yeah, even though, I mean, you got to put up with us. We're the diet, caffeine-free Mountain Dew of gaming oh. podcasts. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> we kind of are. <laughs> we are the betrayal of the very concept of soda. Yeah, there's nothing more tragic than a diet, caffeine-free Mountain Dew. I yeah. Mean, why were you eating? What, just yeah, what, could, what could you possibly have expected from that experience? Go drink bleach. You'll have more fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you. Dead Boatman. Yeah, classic. Uh, look it up. That's what YouTube's for. We're the Bleach Boys, baby. And there's a few of us every year. <laughs> and uh, so, <clears throat> with that uh, visual behind us, we have some good topic for you today. And a uh, little shout-outs here to G. Hench following us. So oh. you're following us now, favorite us. Well, hello, G. Hench. Yeah. And, uh, of course, Roth Soth. Yes. Oh, with the... Yes, uh, he's the Thought Eater. The Thought Eater. Yeah. He's a, he's a little... Uh, uh, he has a little icon of the uh, ethereal platypus. You remember that? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there's an oddball critter that uh, First Edition really designed some... Some nice tricks for the psionic player character. Mm -hmm. uh, since there were comparatively few challenges for psionic player characters, uh, except for very big, very serious creatures right at the gate. Uh, so they they came up with a few little <clears throat> uh, sneaky things. Well, they sure did. That said, yeah. So Frog, uh, you let us. Uh astray many times on nice topics and so we're going to return the favor and let you lead us for a moment so we'll be back after the break what's up gentlemen froth here wanting to congratulate y'all on another fine episode love the dragon episode uh the hun stuff had me dying laughing snorting a little <clears throat> and uh when I think about the dragon ads, the one that always pops in my mind immediately is Bushido. And I thought I was, I thought you guys, once you got to the sky realms of Jeroon, I thought the next thing you would mention for sure would be Bushido. But I guess it was that time for me and my little brother, it was like everybody, all our friends were like into martial arts. So we were like taking Taekwondo and there are all those terrible ninja movies. And we were like collecting throwing stars and stuff. So I just remember, uh, Bushido really capturing my imagination. So keep up the good work. Y'all stuff is great. Really, uh, good stuff. So see you next time. All right. Thank you, Prof, for the kind words. Glad you enjoyed the Dragon Magazine retrospective that we uh, did. Yeah. And I, I, I gotta say it uh, triggered some serious memories here because, uh, there was that zone right around, uh, junior high, uh, in our era that, <laughs> All things uh, ninja or martial arts were king. Uh, Channel 47, mm -hmm. back in the day. Uh, yeah, better adjust the rabbit ears with some tinfoil to try to capture that signal at like 11 o'clock at night and run the really lousy martial arts movies uh, after dark. Those Iron Claw, were... Eagle Talon. <laughs> 
Ah, but you also got some classic jewels there. The Enter the Dragon. Oh, yeah, they did show the Enter the Dragon. I lament that it took me uh, many, many years later uh, to discover Zatoichi, mm-hmm. uh, the blind swordsman, which, man, that's almost worth an episode right there. Yeah, we didn't uh, really pick up on Bushido. I mean, we did see it. And, I remember uh, uh, Legend of the Five Rings. Yep, yep, we played that. Um, Oriole Adventures uh, was basically our gateway drug to the land of ninjas and stuff like that. And we will be covering uh, more about martial arts and things in future episodes, so stay tuned for that. Oh, yeah, we got a monk episode coming up. Uh, I'm not exactly sure when. You know, we play it kind of fast and loose here at the Dicer Screaming. But Yes, uh, we do. <laughs> but that said, happy memories, man. Yeah, and that's... Uh, a good thing, and glad you enjoy the puns and stuff, because uh, hopefully you're not snorting uh, your uh, paint water, you know, if you're painting miniatures with it, you know, you accidentally <laughs> grab the wrong mug. <laughs> Don't do that. Just saying. It's not good. Um, so, okay, we got some topics tonight, and uh, stuff's been happening on the interwebs. Jeez, kids. Uh, you know, uh, let's see here. What you got a little list of stuff. I think tonight we're going to talk about the DM as a player. Is the DM a player? That's been going around, and a lot yeah. of people are debating that. I, I don't quite get it. I mean, uh, look, I'll be candid. I, I don't peruse the internet to the same degree that uh, other people do. I, uh, <clears throat> I pop on, pop off, you know, don't really stay and, and have lengthy uh, discussions there much these days. So I, I was out of the loop on this. I, I didn't realize that there was actually... A substantive debate on this because I, I I came out of a gaming culture where a lot of people took turns. Uh, so you know the perception of the DM as an entirely distant person uh, was just alien to us. I you know like uh, three four weeks in a row one personal DM, three four weeks in a row another personal DM. Uh, different people had different campaigns that they liked to present. So the DM was always only, you know, a few weeks away from being what we would think of as a regular player. Uh, and there were a lot of NPCs and, you know, personal characters that were engaged in the campaign, even while one was DMing, uh, which led us to some ethical studies on, on how to distance ourselves as a DM and a player at the same time, right? how do you adjudicate and take the lumps and make sure that your character is carrying their weight and not getting away with anything, you know, that they shouldn't? I accidentally, for my age, find this, uh, you know, just under the bed where I'll find the staff of the Magi, huh? Yeah. fortuitous, isn't it? It's, uh, or, or uh, you know, they're just, oops, I, I brush up against the fireplace with my character and reveal the loose stone that's hiding the ring of protection plus two. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. None of that. That no. was that was considered extremely bad form in our circles. So, yeah, right. but yeah, apparently there's a debate on this. That you know, the, is the DM a player even when they're DMing? Right, and you know, what game do they play? You know, do they get the same rewards as players? Do they have the same challenges? Well. We're going to talk about that tonight, so we're just going to jump right in. I think that a lot of times there is a myth that the DM is an adversary. I think that's a myth. And it's perpetuated primarily because the DM, much of what they do, is negative. Okay, uh, you open the chest and you're stabbed in the hand by a poison needle. Save versus poison or die. Um, The table bites you, takes six points of damage. (laughs) 
the <laughs> ceiling carries in and everyone's dead. Uh, it's <laughs> negative. Always what the DM does a lot is negative, but it's forgotten what the DM does for the positive parts. The rewards that uh, the players get from uh, participating with NPCs, talking to people, and receiving uh, benefits from their uh, class and doing well with their alignment and other professions, that's all part of the DM's reward scale. But what does the DM receive? Well, the DM receives the reward of well-played campaign and the accolades of their players. That's not measurable on like experience points and treasure uh, marks on the character sheet. And I think that is it. And also, part of it is tribalism. A lot of players view it's us versus the DM. Yeah, I wanna I wanna say something about that. It, you know, like it's not entirely mythical. There's there's substance there. Uh, the DM has a responsibility to me to be adversarial at times, but that is not the end of their responsibility. Uh, it is only a facet, like right. a mini faceted jewel. Yeah. It, it's just one little you know piece of their role, and so the adversary nature of the relationship with players is part and parcel of it. You've, you've got to have that element in there, but it's in no respect all that you do. Uh, I, I wouldn't... You, no. I, I, I get where people would come from. It makes sense to me that they would perceive the DM as adversarial. And you're right, it looms in people's memory, that bad moment when, like, no, I, uh, your character is not going to be able to do that. There is just no way around this obstacle. You are going to have to do this hard, unpleasant thing with your character that you're not going to enjoy. Right. There are times where that wall is no fun to hold up, and it seems like the DM is your enemy. Uh, and they're also like the, the messenger for everything, good mm -hmm. news and bad news alike. So uh, if you accidentally stepped on a pit viper and your character is about to lose a leg, uh, the only person who's there to give you that news is your DM. So you, I... I would hope people would view that neutrally. Like, yeah, and they're not right. really my enemy. They're just they're the interpreter of events. Right. And part of the game is peril and challenge. And it's part of the role of the DM to present that peril and challenge to the players. It's not necessarily uh, without saying that there aren't killer DMs. Like, you know, okay, you know, my job is to kill the players. <laughs> well, you know? they, they happen. <laughs> yeah, and if that's what you and your group like to do, that you're not having wrong fun... I mean, no. if, if everybody's at the table, that's their expectation. It's like, yep, we're going to come in tonight and uh, we're going to kick down the doors and kill all the monsters and take all their stuff. And if we get all killed, we'll just re-roll new characters and we'll start again. Yeah, if you got like four or six players at your table uh, every month or every week and they are absolutely hip to it and... They go in there going, <laughs> my character is Fred the Seventh, in yep. honor of the six Freds who died before him. Uh, if they're hip to that, man, there is no playing it wrong. Uh, shout out to our, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, we got you there. I threw that threw that title in there for your podcast, man. Uh, there is no playing it wrong. In there is respect. If you had fun, you played it right. Right. And However. There's there's some room to move beyond the purely adversarial. Yeah, the DM is kind of bound by some certain ethics. And as we talked about with running uh, the DM's uh, player character, when especially when you're in a shared campaign, um, you are entitled 
to occasionally as a DM play a player, an NPC or a player character. I don't think that's without uh, breaking any boundaries. But where it, of course, breaks down is when that character dominates everything. It's one thing if you're playing a magic user and you get a really good roll and you're excited about it as you would being at the table rolling really good fireball damage, you annihilate the room full of uh, critters. Hey, everybody's going to take it uh, in that moment as well as you, so there's nothing wrong with that. But part of being a DM is like being a chef. Now, we've used the drag queen analogy. <laughs> and I think that does fit that how the DM receives rewards. And I think also the DM is also like a chef. Now, you can be like at a bocce where everything's prepared in front of you. You know, it's been... The food's been prepped and everything's cut and, you know, it's just cooked and prepared and served to you. And that's the kind of DM who rolls the dice out in the open. And I think that's okay. Yeah, it's great. I mean, good for them. But also, there is the kind of trust that comes from what happens behind the kitchen door is the purview of that chef. And I think that is also within the DM. That's why the screen is there. Now, uh, this leads to the other thing like, uh, well, fudging. Okay, well, sometimes maybe the DM will fudge. Maybe sometimes they'll drop that steak <laughs> on the floor, pick it up, you know, just kind of wipe it off with the spatula and then throw it back on the grill. Mm. And you get the crunchy. What are, is that? Are, are those peppercorns or, or is that gravel? Oh, that's, that's, that's how special. <laughs> um, yeah. You can, we got you, this. But as long as the food's good, nobody cares. And if you're totally fudging everything as we've covered before in the player in our cheating episode, does it get really cheat? No, fudging is the dice are your tools. As it was told to me early on, um, a poor workman blames his tools. Your dice are your tools. They are there to serve you. And when you roll and you know, when you're in an epic encounter and like the players at their last few hit points in single digits. And the red dragon's poised to strike them and swipes with a claw. And you rolled out in the open at 18. You've got to stand by what you just rolled. Uh, and, yep. Sad but true, but what a way to go. You're right. And, and, you're probably, and there yeah. we go. Is that If that's the penultimate encounter of the evening or that's where you're going to call a TPK, let it happen. But also as a DM, kind of start to learn how to adjudicate on the fly. And I call it clutch. But uh, there's other words for it, too. And fudging is one of those. But you never want to let the players know you fudge. That's the big thing. There's nothing wrong with fudging the dice. And I'm just going to come out on the side of that because I think that as part of the campaign, the ebb and flow of things go, it's up to you to let the dice tell the story and have their share. And I think in combat and other things, that's where they're at. Well, yeah, we did the fudging topic long ago. And, uh, you know, truth be told, uh, I'm a firm believer that it should be rare and well called for when it's done that like there should be suitable justification but not something habitual uh yeah you know i'm, I'm i let the dice roll where they fall for the most part but i, I do also use them i just have a big fat grudge against pointless deaths you yes know, just like yeah, me too wow you, you know, ruin a campaign because <laughs> the dice said so Great. the dwarf was trimming the burned bits out of his beard after the dragon counter and Rolled a one and critically fumbled and severed his own jugular? Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I don't accept this. This will not happen today. Yeah. And so <laughs> sometimes that is the role to DM that doesn't get seen a lot, especially as the arbiter of the game. And it is your campaign. And if you want to end it like that, go for it. But, you know, that is part and parcel of playing the game. And I think that is the DM's role. And so they are playing the game. Oh, yeah. Not to mention, uh, 
you know, DMs. Uh, aside from just playing, say, for instance, a DM playing their own character, where, like, as I mentioned before, in playing your own character, you have to exercise a lot of discretion, uh, withhold information from the party that is known to you, but is not known to your character. So there's a little bit of juggling there. But Minnie's the DM who has found themselves running an NPC that they're not particularly attached to uh, because their party is short somebody that week. Mm -hmm. Or you've started a game and you got four guys who are just super gung-ho and uh, they're, you've got a ranger and a paladin and a fighter and, you know, in a rogue. And there's not one stitch of magic to be found anywhere in the party. Like, okay, I'll, I'll throw in a pickup cleric. Uh, Steve the cleric joins you, uh, and I've got him over here off to the side. It, the DM is a player in a lot of ways, beyond merely picking up an occasional character sheet and following through with it. They're an active participant in the entire process from beginning to end. And just because they're the focal point of most of the attention as they translate the world into something the players can interact with, that doesn't mean that they're not playing in, you know, some particular sense. They're, they're just not running a character at that moment. Right. But they're and certainly engaged in Dungeons and Dragons. Which yeah, there's an improv, you know, you're the innkeeper, you're the uh, angry ogre, part. you're the uh, merchant and, or the wily thief. You know, you are the guild master of the uh, assassins. You know, it is what you have in before you and who the players interact with to play. So you are literally the legion. Oh, and that's one of the parts I love the most is getting to play 20 different roles. Uh, <laughs> whether it's, you know, less memorable people like, you know, the peddler that they met on the road mm -hmm. with cheap wares. Great uh, <laughs> as wares if you have coin. Oh, uh, yeah, that that is not nearly so exciting. But every now and then, you can really strike on a terrific NPC. Yeah, you know, and one just we mentioned bringing your NPCs to life uh, when you're bringing the just, world to life. You know, think of the place and the people in it and what they'd be like, uh, and then try to bring that to life yourself. Uh, I I took great pleasure from uh, playing a an imp that. <laughs> <laughs> had been involved in the raising of one of the characters by you know, being brought up by an evil wizard. Uh, <laughs> an imp is a babysitter, yeah? Yeah, an imp is a babysitter for a... Oh, what, what were the... Oh, an allodemonus. Uh-huh. Uh, and <laughs> it was her beloved Uncle Stash. Oh, you remember all those great games we used to play, like throw the sharp things at the baby? Uh Drop the baby in the fire. Yeah. Uh, owl bear catch. No. Yeah, those were great days. <laughs> oh, man. That was some of the most fun I'd had. Uh, and also traumatic for some of the player. But yes. <laughs> uh, well, you know, if you're immune to non-magical weapons and not particularly harmed by fire, you're in a pretty good place. <laughs> but yeah, Speak for yourself there. Yeah. Well, you know, again... That there you are. The, the, you just said it right at the start. You're playing. You're playing an NPC. So the DM is a player. And well, do they receive the same rewards as players? Like the players level up. Does the DM, dungeon master level up? Well, does a dungeon master receive the respect and admiration with players for running a good game? Well, that's possible. So. 
That's that's your level up. That's your experience. As you gain experience, you gain wisdom and insight in not only how the game is run, but how to use monsters and tactics effectively to make an encounter challenging. I gain a lot of food-based bribery. Yeah. <laughs> Extra slice of the pizza, you know, keeps uh, the DM, uh, keeps the dragon at bay from uh, just, uh, you know, yeah, I guess the uh, dragon just eats you. You didn't even roll dice. Well, yeah, you took the last piece of pizza, Steve, so pay the price. Yeah, it's just what happens, man. No. I don't need to roll for that. I'm hangry. <laughs> and that means the party's in hell tonight. Yeah, we should do a Snickers commercial. <laughs> you know, just where, like, you know, the mountain Six comes eight. in and slays everybody in the party and, you know, just crushes their heads. Jeez. You aren't yourself when you're hungry. Have a Snickers. <laughs> and then you turn into, you know, the uh, happy unicorn who runs around and gives everybody gifts. See? You're back to being your normal self. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're not yourself without a Snickers. Ah. <laughs> Angry DM, look out. Oh, bad news for players. But, no, I, I've i always thought of it as play. Mm -hmm. uh, I've always thought of myself as a full, invested participant uh, who is responsible for being adversarial at times, but is, first and foremost, I mean, these are your friends, uh, or at least hopefully they are. Uh, they might not be after some things. Oh. Yeah, well, you know, uh, the occasional bone snapper has tested the boundaries of friendship oh. here and there. But, no, it, I never really felt like uh, there was a great gulf of distance, uh, mostly because so often... I come down from behind the screen on a regular basis and play. Uh, and the role of DM is handed back and forth, uh, not with any great solemnity. Uh, it, it's just like, oh, I'm in it to have fun this, uh, this week. And that fun could involve being behind a screen, or it could involve being on the other side of it. It could go either way. It could, and that's... Kind of what the mystery is. That's if the there's a mystery for the players and an unknown quantity. That's where the DM really gets theirs is from what the players want to do, where they want to go, and where they want to explore. Those are all parts for the DM to develop and be challenged by. So there is challenge for the DM. It just isn't rolled for dice. Now, if you want to say mechanically, like, well, the DM isn't tested like the players are. Oh, oh, man! I take exception to that. The DM is. Tested more. <laughs> yeah. And it's more nebulous in many respects. Yeah, it, it isn't is. as clear-cut as make a save or die. It's more... Well, Adju adjudicate this on the fly, yeah. champ. Come up with, you know, a <laughs> random encounter at the at the drop of a hat. Some Or like you like to do, like uh, you when you have riddle games. Uh, you know, you'll oh. actually handcraft a riddle. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, if... Heaven forbid, a random roll, and I, I risk these in certain campaigns. Not every campaign do I do this, but uh, when you're doing a first edition campaign that is trying to evoke the spirit of traditional first edition uh, with its risks and its variety, and, you know, that's what that campaign is about, uh, to be perfectly candid, the dice can hand you situations that you are not prepared for. Now, luckily, 
I, I think the ultimate evidence is that the DM Guide is a terrific tool with a lot of backup material tucked in its nooks and crannies that you can make use of. Uh, and I have a pretty solid variety of books and texts. I prepare portions of coming adventures, but there are certain things, random encounter rules uh, while traveling, things like that, that they happen spontaneously, and the results could include creatures that are notorious for riddling. Wow, welcome to being on the spot. Like, okay, I'm gonna call a break for 10 minutes. I'm gonna go upstairs, I'm gonna make a riddle. <laughs> Just, oh. Uh, and I don't have a smartphone, so <laughs> well, <laughs> that, that riddle is coming out of me. Um, well, I will say that it, I don't think that's necessarily like any first edition. I think that is a first edition approach, you something you learned, but I think that's translatable to um, third edition, Pathfinder, and fifth edition as well, or even fourth edition for as far as I'm concerned. But I think that that mindset is primarily what codifies old school. And I don't think it makes it... Uh, there is a lot of random encounters in the 3rd edition as well as 5th edition that can be used. But you are right in the fact that there is a different mindset that comes out. If you don't have that background, sometimes it's not as clear. And it took us a long time to learn that, even when we were playing 1st edition yeah. ourselves. You know, and to be fair, I, I got to remember at times. I have to forcibly remember that, like, look, not everybody has been doing this this long. Uh, I, you know, that's, it's a risk that I would hold people to a standard that yeah. is extremely unreasonable because, you know, us as new DMs, like even uh, five, six years in, you know, still reaching for new ideas and finding stuff that is really hard to adjudicate. And honestly, you know, we run into little challenges and like we sit down and do you know, like Tiger Team, yeah, <laughs> to uh, steal the corporate analogy. Mm -hmm. You know, let's let's just do a brainstorming session, uh, hash out details, make sure we're on the same page, uh, find a way. Which, ideally, thanks to the internet, you can actually collaborate with lots and lots of people now. So, kudos to that. But I, I really. I, I do have to say, let's not expect the world of people just getting their sea legs under them. Lord knows we didn't handle it any better than anybody else. No, and you learn these things as we go along. <laughs> that's why we're really talking about it. It's not that, like we're trying to be authoritative, but more, uh, you know, these are situations I think that are translatable from game to game. Um, but I think that your main point is that there are a lot of things that, as a DM, you can be challenged by that aren't as obvious as like, okay, make a same throw or you're going to die. Well, Is yeah. the DM at ever risk um, like a player character? Well, obviously not. But... Well, your character's not going to die, but you can flub. Uh, and you lose your campaign. Frankly, uh, all right, that's a that's a major loss. Yeah. I, I was going to say that, uh, you know, if you have hand lovingly handcrafted a villain uh, <laughs> and uh, you, you've really got a dramatic ending in mind and your players storm in there and crit uh, your villain goes down in a heartbeat and you're just sitting there like I, I literally put like three and a half hours into this one thing I just there was a 
monumental amount of thought and effort. I was enamored of it. I didn't even get the whole speech out. I never even got the favored attack form into use. You, mm. you killed it. You killed my beautiful thing. Uh, hey, the pain is the same, you know, whether you're losing a character or watching some really carefully laid plans go entirely awry. Yeah, there's, there's loss and risk in there. Yeah, and I use the analogy of losing your campaign, and it's not like somebody takes it away from you or you can't play it anymore. But the point is, is that if you had a kind of build-up to something or an idea that you wanted to express through the campaign and the players either die or they go somewhere else or do something else, then, yeah, you kind of lost. But you, as a DM, can, just like a player, just roll with the punches and, you know, get back in the saddle again and go with what the players want to do. Objectively, the one thing that I look at as a DM is the kind of idea that you are just simply there to interpret the rules, give out treasure and experience points, and narrate combat. If that's your idea of dungeon mastering, then I do say you did it wrong. There is no um, way or place to put the DM as just a passive participant expected to do just simple tasks and provide entertainment for the players. That is not it. Everybody yeah, I, wins when everybody wins, and that applies to gaming, especially into DMing and role-playing, more than any other. I tend to shy away from the absolutes. You know, I suppose if you're at a table and everybody's happy, and that's the role the DM plays, that, that very, very limited role, uh, if the players came away content, I mean, it's not really my place to say no, uh, but... I do have to say that the more interesting campaigns I've been in uh, have involved much more involved DMs. You know, yeah. DMs who are uh, really intimately connected uh, and have like a nice personal stake. They're not just monotone uh, delivery, you know, could be replaced by an AI. You know, just, read this text screen, monkey. You have entered room 37B. You know, just no, it doesn't work like that. It, it doesn't feel the same. Uh, I particularly, the, the biggest enjoyment I've gotten are from people who painstakingly handcrafted something that you, you cannot go out and buy a copy of and read. You know, this is all new, all original material. This just came out of somebody's headspace. That fascinates me. It may just be a personal thing. Uh, I get well, that. I think you can get that from even using preparation because nothing a prepared piece of material like a module or an adventure path because I think you put it yourself into everything and I think that there's a lot of things that... Um, no two Tomb of Horror sessions are uh, Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> Although, you do rack up quite the list of... Uh, here's how the first character I went through that module with died. Ooh. Here's how the second expired. Third, it wasn't really an expiration. It was more like they were just teleported a thousand miles away, left butt naked. Uh, and, and died orange. Yeah. <laughs> Inexplicably. Uh, that was the end of that. Yep. I just called it good and started rolling. Yeah. Some things <laughs> you can't erase from a character sheet. All right. <laughs> well, I think we beat that to death, but uh, we appreciate you listening to our little rant on it. And uh, I hope it's timely. And... You know, if uh, we didn't hit the mark, or you think that uh, you have something to add to this, or that we're just completely off our rockers, well, hey, feel free to tell us. We have a Facebook page, 
set up for the dice or screaming as well as you can get on with us on live on Twitter. And I have a smartphone, so when people tweet me, I usually tweet right back. So uh, that happened a lot today, as a matter of fact. So shout out to a lot of new followers. I'm almost at a thousand. Yes, I'm almost a real person on Twitter. Oh, oh my! In the the kingdom of the blind, you're soon to be the one-eyed man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I'll be doing a giveaway for that too. So if any of you, uh, our Twitter followers, are doing, I'm going to be giving away some old miniatures that have been sitting on my table. I may have seen some pictures of them, so I'll be doing that, and uh, some other things too. But uh, we're going to wind it down here as we're drifting into our 30-minute oh. category. So I uh, just want to part ways before we do, just give a shout-out to our Twitter handles. I'm uh, Randall Diceman, or Diceman Randall, as you were, uh, at D-E-T-H Gaming, and Mike is... Magi Vox. Yeah. Now, he's not on Twitter as much, but he does have access to Twitter and, uh, you know, occasionally pops in and out. So, exactly. you know, leave a message for him or me. Let us know what you think and what you, you would maybe have us talk about. Because we always love hearing from uh, people out there. But uh, don't worry, we'll be coming at you with plenty of content. I may be an occasional ghost on Twitter. But the good news is you don't need to save or wind up losing 10 to 40 years of your life. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, much easier encounter. I'm, I'm yeah. definitely like in the, the category one summon monster zone. Uh, they have summoned a mic, which I believe can actually be done by building a pentacle and then putting a Mountain Dew in a pack of camels at each of the five points. Oh, okay. So. Well, yeah, Andy, Andy <laughs> for your amateur summoners at home, summon Mike. All right, but that's that. Uh, we hope you have a good weekend and plenty of gaming, and I hope you enjoyed the show. So we're going to cast our way anchor and cast off here, so... May the dice always roll in your favor. We're out. See ya.